Broadcasting live from Zack Snyder's Artistic Integrity, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm Garrett Strother. I'm Ricardo. Hello. Yes. My man. What, what's up? What's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I felt you, like, falling into that valley, and then you were like, oh no, I have to keep this, <laughs> I have to keep my intro energy up, and you, you threw that <laughs> on at the end. Okay, boys, uh, we got a we got a supercharged, super packed episode. So, what say we just jump right into news? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. All right. First up, we've got Yafit Kodo, famed for roles in Alien and the James Bond adventure Live and Let Die, has passed away at eighty-one years old. An absolute legend, and and he will be missed. Yeah, he's he's one of those uh like 80s and 90s character actors that just like really I don't know. He he put effort into his roles, man. Whenever you see him in anything, a, a couple weeks ago, I I think I rec centered Midnight Run. That's right. And he's he's one of the supporting uh FBI agents in that. Totally totally kills it. And I obviously always appreciate him in The Running Man with Schwarzenegger. He he fits oh, right course. in next to that charismatic Austrian man. I saw Alien not too recently for the first time. Uh, he was in it, and that's all I know. You don't he, remember? He's great in that movie. I, yeah, I, he is. He's yeah, one of my yeah. him and him and our boy Stanton in there. They they totally kill it. Yeah, just trying to get some, just trying to get some equal pay around here. Come on. <laughs> All right, but in, moving on to mainstream entertainment news, we had the Oscar nominations come out last Monday, and while I think they definitely were trying to avoid the mistakes that, you know, the Golden Globes made this year, I do think there were some snubs worth talking about, including the fact that a couple of my favorite movies of the year, including One Night in Miami and Five Bloods, weren't nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Delroy Lindo didn't get nominated for Five Bloods, nor did Chadwick Boseman, although he did get nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. You know, Regina King didn't get nominated for Director. Just lots of surprises to me. Oh, Invisible Man didn't get nominated for Best Visual Effects, which I think is just insane. Damn, yeah, that is that is a shame. There's also the, you know, there's the news that uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are both nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and I yeah, mean... Yeah, ain't that a trip. They're both so incredible. I don't know, I mean, it's... Garrett, I think you were talking before, it's not, like, unprecedented, like, something like this could happen, but I... Who is the lead, Seamus? Yeah, that's the confusion Who is now. the lead? <laughs> I don't know, I guess neither of them? They're both supporting each other? It's, it's a little weird, but I mean... <laughs> I, I would hope at least one of them wins for their roles. I would argue that Lakeith Stanfield is the main character, but that Daniel Kaluuya is the lead performance, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I see where you're coming from. It's a little, because they really do flip back and forth, but kind of starts and follows Lakeith Stanfield a little more consistently throughout. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm... I'm glad to see that uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is nominated for Best Picture, as Absolutely, well as yeah. uh, another one of a, a movie we covered on the show, Mank, I also believe is nominated for Best Picture. I mean, I kind of... Yeah, yeah. We definitely talked about how it was 100% going to be there, so it's not a, a huge surprise, but I mean, I enjoyed that movie a lot, so I'm glad to see it see it up there somewhere high. 
but it's also Dude, not nearly it. as good as other movies we covered that didn't get nominated for Best Picture. So it's kind of like a little bitter, bittersweet on that. Yeah, you, you like to see stuff you liked up there, but there, like you said, there's a lot that could have been there instead. But yeah, I mean, we'll talk obviously more in depth when the Oscars happen in April. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I don't um, know when. Are you guys going to try to, do you ever try to like get all the Best Picture nominations under your belt before the day? Or is it more of just like hitting the, the highlights? This year I might because I'm so close anyway. I usually don't care. Often I feel like I end up seeing them regardless just because, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel you. But I mean, I'm assuming boys were doing our Oscar bet again this year. I was going to bring that up. Mm. I I think I won last year based on like my gut. I didn't see a lot of those movies. Your hazy I think. memory of us Venmoing <laughs> $5. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think you did win last year, uh, and so I, I'd love to take you back on. It's not pop quiz or anything, but you know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if I can do a yearly streak of Oscar pools, but maybe not this year. I'm, I'm gonna try to get as many as I can watched, but uh, I don't know. I want. I definitely want to see uh, Minari. That's 100%. how you say it, right? I haven't yeah, seen Minari. that yet, but I mean, uh, Stephen Ewan isn't he also nominated for best uh, best actor? He is. Yeah, I I just I heard the he's incredible first in it. Asian ever apparently. That is absolutely horrible. But I mean, it's great that it's happening. Horrible that it's the first ever somehow. Well, we'll see how all of these reflect into wins in a couple weeks. All right, we got some one-two punch comic book news coming up. First, Venom Two has been pushed to September seventeenth, which is also the week that Death on the Nile from Disney comes out, but. I don't see those two much being in competition. And then we've got an Hour Man movie in the works over at DC. These are two properties that I'm so not, like, in the loop with. Like, Venom, just because the Tom Hardy ones didn't look that... Or the Tom Hardy one didn't look that great to me. And two, because I've just never even heard of Hour Man. You tell me we're not doing Venom for the show? I mean, I'll watch it if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna make me, but... <laughs> I, I've heard things about Venom. Not great things. Not great things. That is what all I, I remember Ricardo describing to me the post credit scene the weekend after it came out. I think I remember talking to Ricardo and guessing the post credit scene with no context. And he was like, yep, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. You got it word for word. And I was very upset. But yeah, um, Our Man is the title me. of the movie now. There's going to be carnage. Yeah. Oh, God, get out of here. Tell, tell us about Our Man instead. That sounds like a property that is way more wacky. I, I want it. I, this, one's, this one's really weird because, yeah, Our Man's a character, but who, who, who cares about Our Man? Well, I mean, I kind of... I, mean, I don't know why he's getting his own movie. I kind of see it in the same vein as, like, they pulled the weirdest characters for like the James Gunn Suicide Squad reboot. So they're just they're just pulling the weird stuff and seeing what sticks, you know? Yeah. Uh his whole shtick, our man, is he's got this uh um, it's some kind of elixir or sometimes it's a pill where he'll get superpowers for one hour and that that's it. <laughs> Wow, wait, really? It's our. I thought he was going to have like time manipulation powers. It's nope. just literally <laughs> he has. Is it like Superman powers for one hour? Like, at least, is it like good powers? I, 
I think they change or yeah, that's I think what I knew about our man is that his powers changed. I am in for this. This is like a Russian roulette superhero movie. You just like you don't know what you're gonna get. And depending on which way they want to go, they could go with the the JSA version of him, which is the proto Justice League they had during World War Two. Interesting. Oh. That would be really cool. But you could also get like some weird zany like Ant Man antics out of it, where it's like things aren't exactly working the way they're supposed to, and yeah, a, a, a an elixir that gives you powers for an hour sounds like it ripe for shenanigans, and I feel like that would fit with like. <laughs> kind of the tone of a of a shazam just like a little more light if they wanted to do that but probably not if it's going to be like fighting nazis because that's not very light i'm sorry seamus we've we've done the rocketeer for this show i think you know that that <laughs> fighting nazis can be light and poppy oh that's that's true that was a, there's some pretty fun nazi gags in that one somehow but <laughs> that's a lost episode it was nazi fun for the whole family <laughs> The gangsters get in on it. It's the best. Oh, it's so good. The Rocketeer is so good. It's a we shame that do... that episode is just like... <laughs> we need on. to do the Rocketeer Revisited, truly. I would yeah, do that maybe again. Maybe we, maybe we do need to straight up re-record that episode because that echo is unlistenable. <laughs> truly. We'll, we'll watch the Rocketeer again and then we'll, we'll take in a couple episodes of that kids show you were talking about. <laughs> I would give that a shot. All right, but speaking of, speaking of TV, guys... Ryan Johnson, writer and director of Knives Out and the universally beloved film The Last Jedi, uh, will be writing and directing a new Murder of the Week series called Poker Face, starring Natasha Lyonne, and it will be coming to Peacock. I loved all the words you just said, except Peacock. <laughs> right <laughs> up until the end of that sentence, you had him. But yeah, I, I was thinking before, they they. I wasn't going to do it for The Office. I've seen it enough times. I wasn't going to do it for Parks and Rec. I've seen it enough times. But, like, damn, this sounds like a lot of fun. I, I like Ryan Johnson a lot, despite of you know despite what I think about his Star War. I think that he's so strong. And, obviously, we can see from Knives Out that he's, uh, he's not a novice when it comes to, like, really engaging and fun murder mystery stuff. Yeah, this sounds like Knives Out, the the TV series. And that sounds great to me. Well, he's a huge Columbo fan, so I can only imagine that this will be taking a lot of cues from that, not to mention that Natasha Lyonne is perfect for that kind of role. Wait, is she playing, like, the constable? Like, is she a detective? I thought it was a... Well, you'd assume so, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess I really don't know anything about this. I I mean, it's going to be, yeah, it's a detective. It's a murder mystery show. So she's playing a, like, a P.I. Dope. I, I like a good P.I. And, sh- and she's just great in general in most things she's in. Oh, yeah. Peacock. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Peacock's got us. We're stuck. Well, speaking of things that we're stuck with, you guys like Star Wars? Um... <laughs> you say that like I'm not reveling in all of this Star Wars news, Garrett. Well, this has stuff that I definitely grew up on, like, ancient DVDs of and videotape rips and stuff. But the Ewoks 80s animated series, the Ewoks TV movies, Caravan and Courage, and the Battle of Endor, the story of the Faithful Wookiee animated short from the Star Wars Holiday Special, and Tartakovsky's Star Wars Clone Wars 2D animated series are all coming to Disney Plus April 2nd. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. I'm... And 
shocking stuff, to be honest. Because, <laughs> yeah, they, they won't even put on the real Christmas special on Disney+. Plus. This is such, like, extended, extended, like, barely <laughs> canon periphery weird Star Wars stuff that they're, they're giving to us for some reason, and I kind of love it. I'm not. What are you talking about? These are canon. (laughs) If it's on Disney Plus, it's canon. I'm not surprised that they're putting Ewoks and Clone Wars on because they're both cartoons with a pretty decent sized cult following. But, like, I don't think anybody's clamoring for the Ewok movies or the story of the faithful Wookiee to be on Disney Plus. What is the story of the Faithful Wookiee? It's the it's the Boba Fett animated short from the holiday special. Oh, so, oh, I, yeah, it so, is. I mean, it is so like the best part. So of it that. does exist, Disney. <laughs> yeah, you do acknowledge it. That's what I'm saying. Like they might as well just bite the bullet and give us what we want—the full HD remastered Christmas special. Well, that's the thing. This is the first time that these any of these titles are going to be available in anything above 480p. Oh my god, yeah. Awesome. That's going to be the wildest to see those live-action Wookiee ones. It's the first time that Ewoks, the cartoon, is going to be available, like, all of it's going to be available on home video, period. And I wouldn't be surprised if that means the animated droids series isn't far behind. They're, they're just cleaning house in the archives. They're giving us everything they got, and I love it. As prepping for May 4th and The Bad Batch, we're actually going to be doing this version of The Clone Wars for our May 2nd episode, so be sure to tune in then. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see the the old 2D Clone Wars. They, there's some like genuinely badass moments in that one that I, I can't wait to see. Like The last time I watched it was straight up, like you can find it on YouTube, and you can get like a DVD of it, I think. From back in the yeah, day, I had the but DVDs. I mean, it's I will definitely be happy to have those all in one official place. Here is some TV news that I am just hyped out of my mind about, which is that uh, the t- the production team behind Justified is reuniting for another FX series based on the Elmore Leonard novel City Primeval, High Noon in Detroit, and the rumor is that. Timothy Oliphant is potentially returning from his justified Raylan Givens role, so break out that Ollie fans hashtag boys because we're we're back in it. Maybe they, everybody saw Oliphant do Cobb Vanth, and they got foaming at the mouth <laughs> for more, just like you guys did. And they, hey, I mean, it would be awesome to see him come back. He's just he's a treasure. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to keep posted on this. I really hope he comes back. We're gonna have to do. Uh, a whole justified recap, just like we do for all the Marvel shows. Oh, hell yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love that, yeah. All right, and our our last bit of news is that PlayStation Play at Home continues with 10 free games, including Horizon Zero Dawn, which will be available for a limited time, absolutely for free. You don't need a PlayStation Plus subscription, starting April 19th. And then starting March 25th for limited time, Abzu, The Witness, Enter the Gungeon, Subnautica, Res Infinite, Moss, Astrobot Mission Rescue, VR, Paper Beast, and Thumper will all be available as well, which I'm really glad I almost bought The Witness last month when it was on sale for $10, and I'm glad I did not. There's some real there's some real good ones in here. I actually had The Witness. Uh, I don't even know when it was free on PS Plus, but I got it a million years ago, and I, I gave it a shot yesterday. A lot of fun. You're going to have fun with that one. But the slew of VR games, like the last five games are VR-based, and 
some titles that I've wanted to try forever. So I'm very excited about like Astrobot specifically and Thumper because oh man, I've, I got I got to put that helmet to use. I'm gonna be little Mister Humble Brag and talk about how good Astrobot PS5 is <laughs> Astro's Playroom. Yes, I I that is also what I've been seeing. I'm. I want to be in the loop. I want to know the lore of Astrobot before I get in PS5. Uh, well, maybe, maybe Seamus, I you can come over and you'll bring your PSVR setup, and I'll play Astrobot Mis- Rescue Mission, and you'll play um, <laughs> Astro's Playroom, and we'll just we'll swap off. Vibe. It'll be great. Uh, have either of you guys played Horizon Zero Dawn? That's kind of the bigger title in this lineup. Uh, it's like. Triple A, Incredibles, a lot of Game of the Year awards when it came out. I'm, I'm pretty hyped for that for sure. I, I still have it sealed. I've been waiting for like a PS5 update, and so I'm probably gonna try to see if GameStop will give me some return credit for that. Just since you know, yeah, hey, it's gonna be free. Yeah, if you're getting it for free anyway, see if you can get that cool five dollars back from GameStop. That's the caveman. Robot dinosaur? Yeah, game? robo dinosaurs, yeah. bow and arrow combat. I'm I'm here for it. Alright, let's move on to our main segment, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh my god. Alright, boys. It's finally here, the moment we've been waiting for since never, but <laughs> I'm pleasantly Come surprised together right that now. <laughs> oh my Justice League. I literally had no idea what you were doing for a second there, but that is horrible. <laughs> uh, but this movie, shockingly, is not. What did you guys think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? I'm, like, almost at a loss for words here. It's, like, we've been straight dunking on this concept of, like, the the movie that was bullied into existence by the fans that needed to see, you know, the original vision. But now that I've seen that original vision, I'm kind of, I don't know, I guess I can't say too much because it was genuinely better than what I remember the original one being. It was such an odd journey for me. Because Man, Man of Steel was... Is meh, it's a whatever. I despise BVS. <laughs> I think it's a piece of garbage. But I like this, man. I this this new cut way better than whatever we got last time. As somebody who is going in blind to this movie, having not seen BVS or Justice League, I really was pleasantly surprised at one the fact that I didn't really feel like I was missing anything by not having seen either of those films. Um, I, I obviously knew that Superman had died, just because how do I avoid that spoiler from BVS? But, and that probably helped me going in, which is something my, like my parents probably wouldn't know if they tried to watch it. Right, yeah. I mean, it's still too long. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, yeah. It's, this did not need to be four hours. <laughs> no, but... I, I, I want to, because I think we're going to have mostly nice things to say about this movie, which is not what I was expecting, but I do <laughs> want to come out and say that I have seen a very large effort online to kind of reframe this as look at these loyal fans coming to the aid of this bereaved director and trying to get him his movie back. And while I have complete sympathy 
for Zack Snyder and what he's been through, and I'm glad that he did get to make the movie that he wanted to make, especially after everything that's come out with Joss Whedon and what was happening during the reshoots and everything else. The fact of the matter is that there was an incredibly toxic, hate-filled internet campaign behind the green lighting of this, quote, Snyder Cut. And I feel like that needs to be kept in the conversation because it was so caustic for so long. And I feel like just because this is a decent movie and definitely better than most people expected it to be, people are kind of willing to forget that. Yeah, I I don't think that should be forgotten either. Like, we, we talked about it for so long because it seemed like, you know, th- that it, there is kind of a problem culture around that where you can, like, weaponize your toxicity as a as a fan base to, like, get whatever you want in a certain way. And, yeah, I don't know. I think you're very much right that that should be, like, accounted for when thinking about how this movie came into existence. That being said, I liked this movie i mean it was still like superhero garbage but at least it was like competent superhero garbage yeah i mean like all of the stuff because i i didn't do a a rewatch of any of the other dc movies to get prepped for this and i kind of wanted to keep it that way going in cold a little bit to just like give my honest impressions trying not to so much compare it to the joss wheaton cut like the original cut but everything that i noticed that seemed different enough like really did it for me like every, every smaller detail that seemed changed or even like the m- massive scenes that were just straight cut from the original and reworked entirely with new characters i think it was just wholly impressive uh i want to quick <laughs> shout out how good ray fisher is in this movie like what a difficult performance that must have been walking around in a in a huge mocap rig <laughs> yeah, especially you know covering half your face i assume Mm-hmm. Jeez. That's what I'm saying. It's just, like, the way that he's able to bring through so much emotion in a character that you cannot see most of his face, I am l- really blown away. Now you know why he was so mad. <laughs> Did this man dirty. They cut his entire arc out of the first one. Okay, so I think we should probably mark spoilers, even though, like... We're not getting into that quite, or even though we're not getting into too heavy spoiler territory right now, I just want to make sure for people who haven't watched it yet, and I completely understand why, because it's so long (laughs) that uh, we're just going to mark, like, because even technically, I think, since this is really, it's from the sounds of it, an entirely new film for the most part, um, I want to make sure that even if somebody's seen the regular Justice League and hasn't gone around to Snyder Cut yet, that they aren't going to get anything too much taken away from that experience so i think we should just call spoilers now yeah that's a good call it's you're you're not wrong when you say it It is a very different movie for sure just you'd think like four hours long they're just going to be like adding on stuff to what was like originally formed and like trying to just like expand but it is like very much new see that's official spoiler warning and ricardo going back to your point he should have been the main character of this movie, the fact that they take him so long to introduce, I think is one of the shortcomings of this film because he is such a dynamic performance and storyline. And when I read after I watched the movie that most of his storyline was cut from the theatrical version, I was in shock because he's the heart of this movie. Damn, you really haven't seen any of the other ones, have you? No, I have literally, like literally I've not seen Justice League. I know almost nothing about Justice League. And so watching this, I was really surprised uh, uh, to learn that i mean to be fair 
this movie, if it were released theatrically, would have just been a garbage fire. Like, nobody would have gone <laughs> to see it. Um, I completely understand why WB wouldn't want to release, like, this specific movie, but... Maybe if they did the whole Harry Potter thing, part one and two. I mean, that's the thing, is that it, a big part of the problem with this movie is the fact that um, Flash and Cyborg should have had their own movies before this movie. <laughs> um, Absolutely agree on that one, actually. Yeah. They had to introduce basically everybody, because I don't think even Wonder Woman was out at this point, when it was supposed to originally Oh, was, have was come Wonder out. Woman... No Wait, way. No, no Wonder Woman definitely came out before Justice yeah, League. Yeah, that was between Batman v Superman and Justice League for sure. Aquaman then. Point Aquaman, being, yes. They had to introduce basically everybody. Yeah, it's it's a lot of legwork to do. And that's part of the reason this movie's four hours is because it has an hour-long first act. And I mean, that's crazy. It has a first act longer than some movies. Yeah, Jesus. And yeah, it, it feels like that. The length really does get to you for a while, but I will say that the inclusion of the, like, segmented, like, part one through six, was it? Or seven? Mm-hmm. Well, ep- seven if you count the epilogue. Right, yes. Yeah, seven if you count the epilogue. Uh, I actually didn't uh, watch it all in one sitting. I, I kind of broke up my viewing, and I think that helped me a lot. It, it kind of made it a little more digestible to not go from, you know, the whole four hours at once. Um... Real quick, I just want to, before I forget, talk about how this is our second surprise Miles Dyson scientist pop-up in (laughs) a couple weeks. Oh yeah, God. The great Joe Morton doing a, I think, a really good performance that I'm assuming most of got cut for the theatrical version. I'm struggling to remember that version. I've just like blocked it out of my head i was I, I surprised myself by looking at my old letterbox score of it but i think what was your score i think it was like one and a half stars for the original one like i really nice. did not enjoy it see that's the thing you're talking about the og justice league right the the whedon yes cut. the whedon cut because <laughs> you know i i'm kind of with you i don't really like that movie either but coming out of it there were parts of it you know that i did like and to my shock, a lot of the parts that I liked from the Whedon cut are from this, are in the, the Snyder cut. Because I think Zack Snyder said that there's no Whedon stuff in this movie. So that yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all, yeah, so it's like literally every shot was directed by him. So, I mean, it sounds like Whedon reshot a lot of that movie. So, I, I mean, it's not surprising to me that it bears little resemblance. Yeah, I almost think it would be worth it to go just see what, that version is like i i don't want to like subject you to that version i've got to say i'm curious now i'm genuinely it, it curious it would be just an interesting experiment to see how different of an animal the first the theatrical cut is cuz man oh man i'm like f- yeah stuff i was expecting to see is just fully gone I love it i've got to say i cannot stand ezra miller um he's <laughs> so annoying and in general or in this movie both both <laughs> but like even if i had no idea who ezra miller was i still would not be able to stand the flash in this movie especially because i don't think he feels like barry allen at all yeah not really it's kind of like an andrew garfield peter parker situation where it's like technically all the things that are supposed to be there are there but it just doesn't feel right yeah i wasn't crazy about him but i will say he he kind of grows on me I adored the sequence where he saves Kiersey Clemens from the car wreck. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, the great Quicksilver sequence, right when he's trying mm-hmm. to get his job, or like whatever, 10th job. I mean, yeah. I, I 
think it probably comes from my lack of knowledge about the Flash specifically, but I didn't hate him. I I thought you know I knew what he was there for some some quippy some quippy lightness to cut through the the dark stuff going on. But uh, you know, is is Ezra Miller the guy who? choked that one person out or whatever or is that the other flash he punched he punched one of his fans oh. who ran up to him oh he did that too oh that was both of them oh okay Inter- i didn't know about the choking thing oh yeah he choked this one woman at a bar somewhere in europe i don't know yeah. but i've seen the video not great i was hope i was kind of hoping it was the cw flash but i mean i had a feeling it wasn't yeah, I I do not like him in general. I did I found his character in this way too manic to even be funny. Like I if if he had just not been so oh everything's all over the place. Oh, I like to do this. I'm, go, I'm going so fast. I'm going so fast. And I'm like, this is a really. It felt like a Lilo and Stitch character, <laughs> where it's like I I have I have super speed. So of course everything I say is really fast. Yeah, I I I know what you mean. It's. Yeah, I yeah, I guess I guess it could have been handled better. I think that maybe you suggested uh, an origin movie a little bit, or just a a movie before this. Maybe not even a Flash origin movie, but just something a little more set up to get settled in with that kind of character could give him a little more of a an edge to be more likable. But he does kind of he he's exhausting a little bit on screen sometimes. I like his scene in Suicide Squad. He has a. He has a scene in Suicide Squad? I'm sorry, it's been a while. When they show him You've arresting... Suicide uh, Squad? I saw that opening weekend they, in theaters. Thank you, sir. He arrests uh, Jai Courtney in a flashback, and he, he says something quick. Oh, right. Does he have long hair in that, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I saw it years ago, <laughs> it's not but good. I remember that and being like, oh, it's the Flash, that's fun, and then... Nope, no more Flash. I will say, like, seeing Wonder Woman doing cool Wonder Woman stuff again was nice instead of, like, 1984. Like, it felt yeah. a lot more, you know, bearable to watch, for sure. I'd, when you got how'd the you like her backup going? singers? Her backup singers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it fit the mood for me, I'll allow it. Yeah, and her, her like, um, electric guitar riff that goes off when she's, like, doing badass things. Wonder Woman is not my favorite series in the world, but like when when those movies work, they work, and they work largely because of the score. Yeah, it, it helps it so along for sure. I dug the I dug her doing the whole bomb bank thing at the beginning, even though I mean, there's so much from this movie that needs to be cut. If they if they would just if I know this is Zack Snyder's mo, but if at the end of every scene they didn't have to have slow mo for three minutes <laughs> of character walking away from that scene. It would cut so much of this movie's runtime. Oh yeah, man, the slow mo's bananas. <laughs> even even like besides the Flash's slow mo stuff, there's like a noticeable amount of slow mo slowdown moments. It's it's great. There's like there's like a scene where Aquaman just like walks out to the beach drinking some whiskey, <laughs> and it's like a minute and a half long. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm like, why is this in the movie? But ain't he sexy though? Yeah, that's oh, like, true. Yeah. He, oh wait, doesn't he also have like a chorus of background singers as he's like going yeah. back into the ocean? There's like a female <laughs> yeah. choir. It's the weirdest. Yeah, the music choices in this, I were I wasn't a huge fan of, but I can look over that. I didn't mind it. I just it was, thought it was funny. It was a it was a vibe, you know. Zack Snyder's all about vibes. Very true. That's his whole. 
he doesn't have substance, he just has vibes. And I think I dug the vibes in this movie for the most part, which is why I'm so surprised that it worked. Like, it had competent writing, and I actually was enjoying myself most of the time. I did not care even a little bit about the bad guys or the plot or whatever, but I enjoyed the characters. Um, oh, here's an example. You know, for having the movie be in 4-3 is not something I minded at all. I thought it was kind of refreshing to see something not be, you know, <laughs> in... um in mega widescreen it was just kind of fun to see how superhero movies are shot would be shot in 4-3 um but i mean there's there's not really a reason for that it's not like you're trying to show scale it's not like a king kong movie or something where you would justify having a taller frame and so it's just it, you know it's a vibe it's Zack snyder's like i think it'd be cool in 4-3 and it is yeah i i didn't mind it at all i thought it was an interesting choice and i mean I guess we didn't, did we even say flat out, like, even referencing our intro, this movie starts with, like, a very clear message that the movie's in 4-3 aspect ratio to preserve Zack Snyder's artistic integrity, and... D- don't worry, your TV's not broken for Yeah, yeah, it's just like a warning to be like, it's fine, it's fine, but, you know, like you said, Gary, it's, it's an interesting choice. I guess, I don't, I guess I just don't fully get it. Like, why? Though? That's what I'm saying. There's nothing to get. It's just a vibe. That's Zack Snyder's whole thing. There's no reason behind it. It's just like, it's cool, and so he does it, and yeah. that's it. That is, that. is It's like the Michael Bay school of filmmaking. It really is. Yeah, this is... Which I think they went to college together. Oh, I think Michael Bay and Zack Snyder went to college really? together. That's... Which would make so that much really sense. Would. Anyone that's kind of met me knows I, again, BVS is a big old steaming pile of garbage, and I hate it so much. And he had total creative control over that one, too. How is this one so much better? Like, I, I actually was, enjoyed this. I mean, there's just... it's That's what it is. There are certain things that the studio probably wanted from BVS that he had to put in. Directors are just better or worse sometimes. Like, there, I mean, Sucker Punch and 300, one of those is a better movie. They're not... Neither of them are good movies. I mean, it's not because one of them's art or anything it's just because one of them's better but i just in my little uh, in my little google i actually found something very interesting that michael bay and zack snyder did go to the art center college of design at the same time but also michael bay was at wesleyan at the same time that joss whedon was oh my god <laughs> it's all coming together oh jesus this is th- Isn't this bizarre? is the hollywood conspiracy that everybody's been clamoring for Michael Bay is the real director of Justice League, guys. It all makes sense. I was going to say, all three, it's like a reverse Shakespeare. All three of those names are just one guy that is, like, making movies <laughs> under different names. Uh, what else? There was something else I had to say about this movie, probably. I liked when Wonder Woman put the put the arrow in the thing like it's National Treasure. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was weird. Um... Didn't they? They gave a little redesign to uh, Steppenwolf for this one. Did they? Did they give him that? Which one is Step? Is he? He's the, the one that's not Darkseid. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Big, yeah, the main big one axe basically. guy. Uh, he's got clickety clackety armor now. I, I like that design. He looks like a World of Warcraft character. Yeah, a little bit. This uh, is way. Speaking of Steppenwolf, this is just a way better Steppenwolf from the original weeding cut of this. He's in that one. As much as he is in this one, too, kind of a generic, gray, bad guy, he was worse in the Whedon cut. I they just, gave him, like, a motive. He's not much, but they gave him a motivation. I like that this version of Steppenwolf is just kind of a loser who's just deeply in debt and is so desperate to try to go home. 
I kept calling him um I kept calling him Metal Thanos whenever Annie would come by and be like, What's going on? <laughs> I'd be like, Metal Thanos is gonna fight Wonder Woman. She'd be like, Okay. And he's gonna bring forth all the other Thanoses from Planet Thanos. <laughs> the infinity boxes just coming together for that. Oh yeah. Who even cares? Right. Not me. <laughs> I love that they get um like a literally halfway through this movie before they even tell me what the stupid things are. I was like, What oh, are these the things? Mo- Dude, yeah, mother why box. are you here to tell me <laughs> no don't say that we don't want him in here i don't care um but uh I-, I liked the flashback thing with uh with david thulis is in there damn that's literally just what i was about to bring up me and you man on the same page they sprinkle some lantern core buddies in that flashback too to to keep us keep us looking forward to the future also Zack snyder that cheeky little boy um did you notice that the like the main human uh in that like old alliance the axe that he's wielding looks like the bat symbol oh man i didn't even notice that like it's he's got a big battle axe with two with two like curves like two blades on a, a blade on either side that makes it like a big like it looks like the the Keaton Batman symbol. Whoa! Screw it! Bat- Bruce Wayne ancestor fought in that battle. They're all related. Well, that's what I'm, I mean. I think it's just. I mean, not that it's it matters, but I just think the imagery of we've got an Amazon, we've got an Atlantean, we've got a human that has the Batman imagery. I think that's very clever, and not that it's like earth shattering or or thematic or deep. It's just like something that's a cute visual nod. Yeah, I really I thought it was a, a cool way to set up like because is that that's the flashback is that where they show like what the mother boxes would actually do yes, to a planet when they, when they combine and they yeah yeah a lot better stakes set up there because i i'm again remembering back to the original cut and just like how little i cared about any of the like threat that was going on like i probably a couple days ago before rewatching this i could not have even told you what was going to happen with the boxes i just remember there were boxes Oh, um, we didn't talk about Martian Manhunter yet, which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, did that get you? Was he in the original? No. I mean... That general character has been, though. Yeah, I remember him from Man of Steel, and I was like, oh, okay, so he's the Martian Manhunter, that's fine. Um, but I mean, I've said on the show before how much I want to see Martian Manhunter come into the live-action realm. And and he looks cool. I I like how he looks, and it's... Like, his attitude is very on point. He's yeah, not... He's here, and he doesn't do anything, ever. <laughs> he, he does nothing important. It, I thought it was a really weird... I mean, Amy Adams is great, and so I understand wanting to capitalize on having Amy Adams in your movie, but I have no idea why there's so much Lois Lane in this movie. Um, oh my god, yeah, just, like, really far too much of just her. Like, I, I get sad memorial she's visit. She's the but... key, Garrett. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Lois Lane is the key. Real quick, I want to talk about the the nightmare that that Bruce has at the end. Which okay, the implica- Superman's bad in the future or something. I guess. Um, oh man, yeah, this, sure. This is probably a good time to bring up one of the biggest parts that I liked from the first one that was cut. That is straight up like what they're kind of working with in that ending, and like when they're referencing that Lois is the key thing. Like, do you know anything about that? Well, is the impl- I mean, the implication that I got just from watching this movie is that Lois Lane is dead in the future and that's the thing that drove superman to be evil i mean yeah that's the that's the basics of it for sure but this this little remix at the end of uh the new one is definitely a different idea of how they were like showing this future uh 
I know. Okay, so we've got weird. I never like Ezra nightmare. Miller. Um, is that like, why what? he looked weird? <laughs> I mean, he did look just, a little weird, he, right? They aged him up, but it looks bad. Um, he's got an Iron Man helmet. It's fun. We've got Amber. How many terrible people are in this movie? Um, we've got oh Amber Heard. Yeah. We've got who's British for some reason? Was she British in the? Uh, I didn't see Aquaman. Is she British in Aquaman? Because that really surprised me no, when she started talking. She's not. Wait, really? I didn't see Aquaman either, but that is just shocking. They just, I don't know what the excuse for that is. Like I said, it's a vibe. That's all Zack Snyder cares about. He's like, what if she were British, though? (laughs) You're not wrong. The whole nightmare sequence is dumb. Oh, sure. It could cut it entirely it's so the it, movie was already over we didn't need to need any of it, that oh I, I remember when they when they killed when they killed silver thanos and i was like there's still 30 minutes left <laughs> in this movie <laughs> it's like what is going on come on they had to leave you with that jared leto joker who's a partner of batman and the flash okay but do, are they never gonna just just I really thought this was gonna be them pulling the trigger and being like he is Robin and they they got close but they didn't say it and I'm like are we really ever gonna see Jared Leto Joker again Why didn't you just do it Why didn't you, you could have done it and you didn't and Oh wait you mean like Jared Leto Joker is Robin Yeah that would have been that would have been awesome I mean damn they, like you said missed opportunity no, never gonna happen again He was already like cut from being on screen at all in Birds of Prey I don't think he's getting his own standalone is he Because like, I don't think so, and I think, like, isn't the implication that I, I always in, it had kind of interpreted that the, the Joker being so young and Batman being so old indicates that it's Jason Todd is, the, is you know. That would well, be dark and Jared awesome. Leto but... old now, too? Aren't he in? Well, young Jared Leto's younger, uh, younger than Ben Affleck, Jared I guess. Jared Leto's, like, 20 years younger than Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck is a thousand years old? What do you mean? Is it, how old, here, let me Google how old, because Ben Affleck's what? Almost sixty. Jared yeah, Leto's forty nine. So. Is he really? Damn, yeah, he looks 49. incredible. He oh really God. does look really good. I mean, Jared Leto's a terrible person. Again, everybody's a I mean, terrible is he, person. Are we are we talking about because of his Joker antics specifically, or did he do something else I don't know about? He, Doesn't he general. run like a cult? I'm not kidding, boys. I'm so sorry. Jared Leto is a year older than Ben Affleck. What? Wow. Whoa. This is a bombshell. We are. That's insane. Jared Leto, my man. You are like sucking the souls out of the cult people you have worship you or something because you look great, my man. Um, but yeah, so, okay, that completely. I just always assumed Jared Leto was like really, really young, to, or he at least way young, younger right? than Affleck. Like in Blade Runner, he is. Isn't he supposed to be like the young, like CEO guy? I mean, yeah. I don't know. He's, so anyway, he's weird okay, looking maybe he's. Not Jason. Maybe he's not Jason Todd. I just really, I just always assumed it was Jason Todd. I mean, there's a there's a part in Batman v Superman where they show like the bloodied and beaten Robin suit, co- yeah. covered in like Joker stuff. So that's what I'm saying. I remembered that from the trailer, and so I had always just kind of been like, it's such a different take on the Joker, and he's so much younger, even though apparently he isn't. <laughs> and so all of that to me, and then especially when. He started talking about Robin in this one. I was like, oh, okay, so they're going to pull the trigger and make it Jason Todd, and they didn't. Is he better than Suicide Squad Joker? Yes. Still not very good, though. Oh, yeah, Yeah. no, it's, I mean, it's not interesting. I mean, it, it, like, that ragtag apocalypse group does look like it could be some form of, like, Suicide Squad team-up movie in a way, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, it's not that much better than what Jared Little brings to the table regularly in Suicide Squad, so... 
No, I don't have any desire to see that character again, but I thought this was their opportunity to, again... Like, give it a little something else, but... Yeah. I liked his design of, like, having all the police badges of the cops he's presumably killed. Like, that's pretty cool. Oh, I didn't even think that that's what that was, but yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. Yeah, that's a Joker thing to do, but that's, like, it. (laughs) Kinda. So, yeah, um, we're never gonna see another... I don't think we're going to see a sequel to this. Zack Snyder says he doesn't want to do it. I think that's probably a lie, but sure. Um, Restore the Snyderverse. That's <laughs> oh the new God. chant. It's oh, wow. Is that the new... If this gains enough popularity, this new cut, do you think that's the next step? Are we just... This is well, what we are now? Already flo- it's already floating around. Oh, good. Great. I just... It, I. I'm happy to eat crow on air and say, you know, this movie was actually almost watchable if it were not for the length. <laughs> yeah, God. And that there's quite a lot of it I enjoyed, and I wish they'd released it as a three-part miniseries. Um, yeah, straight up. I completely agree. Like, felt, like, comfortable in an episodic, you know, format. So, maybe that would have been the better move, but we got yeah, we just got I this long this, one. I watched this with uh, three other big old dc nerds so i'm probably a little biased but i had a really good time with this and like you said i'm happy to be wrong because again i hated bvs so that's what i was expecting from this it's like oh i despise that movie so it's just gonna be that again for four hours but yeah this surprised me i didn't expect to enjoy myself as much as i did absolutely same here just like Pleasantly surprised in every, in like the most honest way. Just pleasantly surprised. And uh, and I hope Henry Cavill uh, is coming back for more Superman because he's just really good actor, and they've not used him properly yet. Oh yeah, no, his Superman is still pretty bad. I think that's why I like this movie. He's not in a lot of it. Yeah, he he really isn't in it until like the third act, which no, is yeah, like it's literally literally the so third many act hours of in. Superman. It's not. Not good. That part's not good. And I, we, I, but I do really. I want somebody to come in and like do because Henry Cavill's such a good actor, and he could be such a good Superman. And if they got somebody who actually understood that character to come in and handle it, I would really like to see that. Like, you want him? Do you want him to be like cast again in a reboot, or like as a continuation of what we have? Because I, I think don't it might care. be. It doesn't matter. You anyway. just want him. Yeah, like that is the sentiment of all of this. Is like besides maybe Flashpoint. This is the last hurrah of this of this little universe attempt. Well, I mean, they're still gonna have Wonder Woman or whatever, but like Shazam too. But like, how much is Shazam even that related? I, mean, I know Sh- Superman's at the end or whatever, but Shazam's kind of a Deadpool area where it's just like it doesn't really need to be attached to any canon. It's kind of in its own playing field. What if that's where they start? What if they just take Shazam, they fold in Our Man? And we get a little, <laughs> we get a little fun, goofy extended universe going instead. Well, we'll see what happens next. Uh, but we're gonna talk about the potential future of this DC universe in our pop culture reference of the episode coming up right after this. We will be discussing the anti-life equation because I don't think we brought it up during when we, I don't think we brought it up when we were talking about it. But Darkseid is in the Snyder cut. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. He he stands there real menacingly on the other side of a boom tube. <laughs> Very much early Thanos vibes of just like sitting around on a space throne. You know what's kind of messed up? 
everyone is always going to compare Darkseid to Thanos now, just because Thanos came out first. But, but also, in terms of creation, Darkseid has been around way longer than Thanos has been. If anything, Thanos is a Darkseid ripoff. I think the bigger issue is uh, that the way that these movies are structured as trying to replicate the success of the Marvel formula and the way the dark side and uh, what's his stupid name? Uh, Steppenwolf (laughs) were kind of positioned as the Thanos eye of the DC universe. If that makes sense. We're here to talk about, the Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean the anti-life <laughs> equation. I was gonna say the you biggest. You mean the thing. mother boxes? <laughs> yeah, same, same ultimate end goal. There, it really is just for, isn't it? I guess he doesn't know about the anti-life equation being there until halfway through. But see, let's let's talk about what is the anti-life equation in the comics and how potentially it could pop up in later DC films. It's a little tricky because if you want to get down to it, I don't think anyone knows what the exact anti-life equation like is. But in terms of like plot-wise and in universe, that's Darkseid's whole thing. He's obsessed with the anti-life equation, which is a mathematical formula that proves the futility of existence and free will. In the wrong hands, the formula is a terrible weapon with the power to brainwash and enslave entire worlds. Yeah. fascinating definitely just pure big bad guy stuff just full yeah. control of life and death in the universe and he just he just wants it because he's evil and, and it plays a role in flashpoint right in the comics am i crazy i've not read flashpoint but N- no I, it doesn't in flashpoint but what you know we're here it <laughs> does play a pretty cool part in a story called deceased uh, did, did you get that one? It's, it's <laughs> yeah, that's just pretty clever. <laughs> Which is basically Marvel zombies, but for DC. It's kind of a what-if story, where it's basically, Thanos finally does it, he gets the anti-life equation, and it spreads through technology, so anyone that looks at it is instantly converted into this mindless killing machine. Wait, this He's is... like, sole purpose. This is DC, right? Stories. You said Thanos yeah. does this? <laughs> did I? I think so. You're talking about Darkseid, right? Yeah. So, okay, I just want to make sure I'm on the same page. I was very confused for just a moment. You know, Darkseid finally gets the anti-life equation. He sends it out. It spreads through technology. Anyone that looks at it becomes a mindless killing machine. And, you know, it's DC Zombies, you know. It's a fun time. It's a good book. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I do like those what-if zombie stories when, when series get into them. I would like to see, I mean, they made a pretty big deal about it, like, they made it feel very important in this movie specifically, so I hope they do something with it and not just kind of let it fall through the cracks. Well, I, I read an interview with Zack Snyder where he talked about how DC discouraged him from doing setups in his movie because he doesn't really have an intention of making another one, and they don't really have an intention of making another one, but that he was adamant that he'd do it because... That's the genre, and you know what? I respect that. Like, the idea of genre convention being really important to an audience's enjoyment of a film. And that, and not that it can't be subverted, but I do think that it makes it feel more like a complete vision and not just like, oh, we're doing the Snyder Cut. So, uh, yeah, I'd be curious about where 
we'd see this pop up. I feel like the most likely scenario is like a Wonder Woman, potentially. Yeah, I could see that. I, uh, yeah, Flashpoint might be tricky considering they're maybe going to be reworking some stuff with that plot. But I think if they wanted to kind of turn around the Wonder Woman after 1984, I mean, like make it a full trilogy and kind of make her the main focus of the DC universe instead of someone like Superman or Batman. I guess we could see it in a Superman movie too, couldn't we? If, be, if your if they, dreams if come are... true and they bring Cavill back. Or even if they do, I mean, I have no idea what kind of continuity this new Superman movie that we talked about a couple weeks ago is going to be in. But, I mean, who knows? Not, that doesn't... I think it's very possible we could see the anti-life equation pop up in a, like, non-same continuity, but they're still... Like, they still promised the anti-life equation so they could bring it in in another property or something. Yeah, I think I could see that, kind of trying to set up a, a universe again, this time maybe a little more successfully. Who knows? Let's go to Apocalypse. Let's meet Granny Goodness. <laughs> Granny Goodness? Yeah, she was in this movie. She was just standing there, but she was in this movie. Yeah, I was like, there's a lot of thugs just standing there in, in Asgard <laughs> with with Darkseid. Alright, well this has been our kind of rambling, speculative <laughs> pop culture reference. Basically, a way for anybody who watched the Snyder Cut or even, you know the original cut of Justice League, to get a glimpse into what on earth they're talking about and if it's going to play a role in the future. Pop quiz. Boys, you know what time it is. Can you redeem yourselves after last week's miserable showing where neither of you got uh, a point? I mean, one of you did. Both of you did know the answer to one of the questions, technically, but it was still a tie, so that's a net zero. What? Which means it's going to be Seamus's turn to pick the category once again. The man, the man, just he can't stop losing. Uh. Oh, you <laughs> bastard! <laughs> I was going to let that other stuff slide, Garrett, but you're getting a little. You're on thin ice, buddy. The categories for you to pick today, Seamus, are either Oscar nominations or PlayStation. Hmm. I think I'm going to have to go with PlayStation on this one. All right, well, you guys know how this game works, but for those of you playing along at home, the first one of you to give me the correct answer gets the point. If you guys say it at the same time, or neither of you knows the answer, we're going to move on to our tiebreaker question. All right, here we go with our PlayStation category question. This is the second year of PlayStation's stay-at-home promotion. What two games were featured last March for PS4 owners? Oh, damn. I think I have them sitting in my library, too. Well, was Ratchet and Clank last month? That's one of them, right? That was this year, I believe. Oh, last year? Yes, we're year? looking at March 2020. Sorry, I'll clarify oh, that. Oh, damn. So this okay, is the okay, second okay, year okay. Of, of the PlayStation stay-at-home promotion. What was the first year's titles? There are two. Uncharted. Oh, was it? And another game. It was um, Detroit Become Human? Damn. What was it? Can either of you get more specific for me? Uncharted the Nathan Drake collection? Uncharted okay. 4. Uncharted the Lost yeah, no, Legacy. Ricardo, no, I'm going gi- to give it to Ricardo. Damn. Even though he only got half of it, but I will give it to Ricardo because he got it right. Damn. So... The answer was Uncharted, the Nathan Drake Collection, and Journey. 
Journey. Oh, oh, that is one of my favorite games of all time. That was, that was a pretty good couple of games back then. That's really good. Damn. Well, my winning streak is on a quick hiatus. I uh, still don't know <laughs> what the end number we're looking for for a quick you win is. You can't but... get me, Seamus. I got vaccinated uh, yesterday. I'm invincible. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to be dancing on my grave one day. Well, Ricardo's up to nine points, and Seamus is down at six, so we'll ah. see if he can come back from it. I got I got this. I can do it. I got, I got to win, like, four weeks in a row, but I can do it. And then maybe one day you, too, can win Garrett's house. <laughs> oh, that's the dream. All right, now it's time for Howling Commandos, where we break down the episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm I'm really excited to talk about this premiere with you guys. So I think when Captain America throws his mighty shield. I'm think, with you, man. I'm hyped. <laughs> I think maybe we should um just kind of like we did for Wandavision, just mark spoilers because they get into this plot pretty quick. But um overall, I, I thought this was a much stronger pilot than than WandaVision, even if it did feel a little bit more generic Marvel. Yeah, I'm, I I loved seeing what was happening in Westview and all that, but that's such an isolated bubble. I really did like seeing a little bit more of, you know, post-snap life. Or, uh, I guess, what? Post-post-snap post, life. Post-post-snap life. Yeah, whatever it is, everybody's back, and, you know, things are hard for people who have been gone in, like, really real ways that I never really thought about, and... I don't know. It's, it's so yeah. Cool. Let, let let's mark spoilers before we get into too many oh, yes. specifics. Yes, I yes. think. But but yeah, Shavis, you were alluding to uh, yeah this your is, credit score. Yeah, this is a Marvel the, the property blip. that deals with the fallout of um uh financial loss during the blip and systemic racism. <laughs> so yeah, kind of exactly that. Uh, a fascinating thing. I liked that. Here are things I liked about this pilot more than I liked the WandaVision pilot. It had characters and a plot. <laughs> so did the WandaVision pilot. Well, those are more of just like tropes and some tropes, but they—it was a sitcom. They made a sitcom. I, what did you Wanda want? WandaVision is so uh, like story. special in what and it I, is. You know, this is this is like a little more standard. They told narrative. you it was going to be a sitcom, and, and I don't <laughs> That's for, what like they did. If, don't forget, I really enjoyed the last episode of WandaVision and the fact that it I think it really did actually finally focus fully on the character work that was at play but I think this I think this has similar goals of focusing in a more realistic and grounded way in a way that television is better at at understanding what's going on behind the scenes with these characters and the and the toll it would take on them emotionally and I really appreciated seeing that reflected in a way that I felt like gives it a lot more of a solid base to grow out of than WandaVision. WandaVision is a cool experiment, but I think that this has really solid, grounded character work that could potentially grow into a more dynamic and interesting piece on, like, what is the fallout of being an Avenger? And and apparently, what is the fallout of being a black Avenger? Yeah, truly. It is... It's gonna hit some pretty pretty deep points i think of just like between uh sam and like his family and his uh sister and him trying to like kind of make up for 
it feels like he's making up for being gone a little bit, both in just being, you know, snapped for five years, but also just like his choices in going out into the world and kind of leaving his family behind a little bit. But then we also have the fallout of not only being an Avenger, but being a Hydra agent with Bucky and his jerk therapist. <laughs> yeah, this well, is he's one being of a the... jerk too. Well, yeah, but still. I th- I feel like this is one of the worst portrayals of therapy that I've ever seen <laughs> on screen. Oh yeah, no, this wouldn't work on a normal person, but it's Bucky. Yeah. And I want to I want to acknowledge that 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 I I mean there are still things about this. Uh, namely, I think it's portrayal of therapy, and it's just like absolute infatuation with the U.S. government, and for some reason, like invoking Benghazi. Like, what's going on there? Wait, what? What about Benghazi? What? Or not? Not the government specifically, but like the military, or generally, but like specifically the military at the beginning of this. Oh yeah, it's a Captain America thing. Sam's a soldier, but also the whole thing about Captain America's arc is that he slowly realizes that blindly being a soldier isn't healthy or good and that it gets often gets in the way of doing the right thing hey but man like, being an avenger doesn't pay oh yeah apparently sam's like you gotta get that money if sam but sam's like you know what let's just uh, so uh, what i was talking about with Vigazi is the whole like like trying to avoid libyan airspace when they could have chose any other country yeah to true be, yeah, I I just Marvel movies we've talked about this before on the show have like a complicated his, history with, you know, most of the time if you need military involvement for monetary reasons in something like this, they need script approval, which means that basically you need to have a little baby military commercial at the beginning of your movie. And so yeah, th- those were the two things that I feel like Hold on, totally unrelated and kind of off kilter, but I remember this about the Snyder cut now. About how a lot of it was just a commercial for Audis <laughs> and Mercedes. Yeah. Mercedes. Oh yeah. That, yes. a, that yeah. is, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. Now that we moved on to a completely different comic franchise, <laughs> but it was. I think that's worth it because that is definitely true. Um, but yeah, circling back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I did admire the steps that this movie or this this series was was trying to take. Even if some we, uh, of the stuff wasn't, you know. You see Sam give up the shield. He puts it in a museum. It belongs <laughs> in a museum. <laughs> and, I mean, like, he does it in a very, like, sentimental and, you know, honorable way. But what did he think was going to happen if he turned <laughs> over that shield to the government? And I know we're, I'm getting a little towards the <laughs> end of the episode here, but... Yeah. When has the... Well, shame as uh, he thought... That the U.S. government would respect his wishes <laughs> and do the right thing. What an absolute fool he is. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, like an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I liked going back to that Smithsonian exhibit from Winter Soldier. I thought that was really fun. Oh, totally. And... Don maybe, Cheadle's here. Yeah, Don Cheadle is... Yeah, Rhodey pops up, and I... Do you think he'll be back? Or you think that's our... We got an Avenger in here, and now we're gonna <laughs> deal with the uh, with our main characters and only them, I'm, and the new characters. Well, he's got armor wars to deal with. Maybe they set that up a little more in this. I mean, I, I personally love the way that War Machine and the Falcon fight. Just their me- very mechanical 
vibe to everything they do just really gets me. I'd like to see them fight like together on the same side in the sky, but well, we saw them do that a little bit in Infinity War when they're like carpet bombing. Oh yeah, uh, those gorillas in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see more of that, but like that cool helicopter chase sequence that we get in this episode. You know, some some more fun maneuvers and shots in the sky. I liked. I didn't see the twist with the Winter Soldier coming. I was really curious. I was like, is this going to be an old war buddy? Is this going to be, like, what's going on here? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was my thinking, too, that this old man Bucky's hanging out with. I figured, oh, that's got to be, what, like, someone he knows from the war. Or just someone else that can relate to him on some level. But it's it's it's, a lot worse. It's so much worse. Yeah, at at first I thought he was the the one Asian-American member of the Howling Commandos, but we kind of get that... in Spider-Man. What is that actor's name? What is that actor's name? That's a great question. I know that actor's name, and I don't know what I mean, he's name. great. I just rewatched most of Phase 1 uh, last week, so... Like, he's great. I know he pops up again as, like, the son of that character in Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure, but it's just a very sad... what Much sadder story about the murder of this man's son at the hands of, like, the Hydra-brainwashed Winter Soldier. Yeah, it it's rough, and I'm very interested to see if they do more with that. Like, is it just a character thing? Which I hope it is. I hope it's just showing where he is emotionally. But I wonder if they're going to try to tie that to, like, the plot. <laughs> you know? God, we'll see. Uh, mm. I know... I, I don't know about the overall plot, but I think there has to be a point where Bucky tells him. Because he has to make amends. He has to go through the list. Yes, but I, I'm meaning, like, is, like, something going to happen? Like, does the bartender know something that's going to tie to the, like, the bartender? I really liked him going on a date with the bartender. I thought that was spectacular. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really good, too, seeing Bucky kind of, a little bit like how we were seeing Cap in, like, the beginning of the first Avengers getting reassimilated more to, he Sorry. just, he mentions it in, God, I don't remember where it was, but it was just, like, Aside from his, like, very small respite in Wakanda, it's basically just been, like, war for his entire life and a gap of, like, 90 years being, I don't know. It was, it was, it was, it was good to see some of that normal stuff, but I did also think that she was being very, I don't know, I feel like I remember her saying a couple things where I was like, wow, that is an incredibly rude thing to ask or to say to somebody on a first date, and I can't, for the life of me, remember what she was saying. It, yeah, it was a little clunky, but I thought they had genuine chemistry, which is more than most people in Marvel movies have yeah, that's, with their romantic uh, counterparts. I, I hope she, she comes back and isn't just like a secret like Hydra agent ready to cut Bucky's head off or something. I know Hydra's kind of dissolved mostly, but who knows, though. But it, it reminded me of that there were, there were these deleted scenes I remember that on my Avengers Blu-ray where they were originally going to have a whole subplot where you remember the waitress that Captain America saves at the end of the Avengers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were going to do something. With <laughs> what? That. There was a, there were, there were going to be multiple scenes before that where he like hangs out at her coffee shop and is too shy to talk to her other than to order his coffee, even though, you know, he's Captain America. That, is, where would they have, they were going to put this in the movie. How would that have even yeah, happened? It was going to be a, it was going to be at the beginning, like, when you oh. when they're setting up everything with, you know, Tony and Pepper at Stark Tower, and Bruce is in whatever country he's in helping people, and, you know, all that stuff. And so I, th- I think the idea was, instead of just having Captain America's punching bag scene, he was going to have a scene where he was, like, 
having a harder time coming to terms with, uh, like, even socializing. Well, you know, I'm glad we're... And this had... Yeah, we're... It just had that vibe to I'm me. glad we're seeing that here, because they can really... Now that, like, Bucky is such a... I feel like such a malleable character, considering the Winter Soldier isn't... Like, he's not Captain America. The Winter Soldier can be really manipulated into anything really interesting that they want to do with him, and to kind of play with that out-of-time stuff like they hinted at with Cap is, is a lot of fun. Uh, do we... Yeah, want... I, I hope they get more into that. I hope they get more into I'm 106 years old and not just make jokes about I... it. I hope that there's genuinely, like, fallout from that... from that being that yeah, old. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. You know, I know there was, like, that notebook that Captain America had of just, like, all the stuff I missed that he was crossing off. Maybe some more stuff like that. Where it's like Martin Luther King next to Star Wars. I'm like, one of those things is more important than the other guys. You He's got talk a different notebook. Oh. He's got his amends notebook. And Zemo's on it. Yeah, I. that's definitely, he's going to go see Zemo in his prison cell. And whatever amends he's going to try to make is going to trigger him to break out or something. I mean, Zemo, I, I, I've seen the posters. Zemo's on the posters for this thing. So I'm assuming we're going to get Yeah, some... it's like purple, purple mask Zemo, too. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, we got you, that official Zemo. Yeah. yeah, actual Baron Zemo and not whatever was going on in Civil War, which is another reason I don't like that movie is because it could have just been anybody and not been Baron Zemo. But he's back. And it would have been cooler if it was just a random guy. It would have made that theme actually land. You know, maybe they'll play around with that stuff a little more with this show, considering I'm sure they'll introduce him in the next episode or two. Yeah, I was, I was a little surprised. But in surprised. other villains. Yeah, in other villains, we got the Flag Smashers instead of Zemo episode i wonder if he's gonna somehow be connected to the flag smashers if that's gonna be leading into him that could work like his own personal army maybe mm -hmm. i did like that he is a it's baron. a little confusing when they've got like uh sam's buddy his army buddy whose name i don't remember uh i don't remember either. Torres. Torres, who's not a good actor <laughs> I'm like, how Joaquin did you get this role? Joaquin Torres. I didn't think he was terrible. I mean, it's a little weird, but just like his whole investigation into the ARG bank robbery and with the with the that was the flag smashers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with the with the guy who looks. I don't. I know he doesn't take his mask off, but all I could think of was Carl from Die Hard with, <laughs> with the long hair. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Oh man, and I mean, and now I I want to touch on like it's he's gonna be and. He hasn't even said a word yet, but everybody's new replacement for Hayward for the most hated character in anything <laughs> is going to be new Captain America, played by the wonderful Wyatt Russell, I will say, but I already can tell I'm going to hate him so much. Well, I'm very curious about, is he going to be somebody's son? Is he going to end up being, like, I want to know what his deal is. Is he malicious? Is he naive? Is he just some little privileged boy that, because I mean, yeah, let's talk about that. The undercurrent of this episode is Sam gives up the shield to the Smithsonian, and there's some, like, guy there it's like thank you sam for you did the right thing Ugh, bs and then the same guy at the end of the episode holding like a press conference introducing to the the world to you know white captain america yeah that's that's like don't worry guys we got it back we gave it to the one you know you want instead or whatever who does this who does he think he is <laughs> and how dare he stand where he stood <laughs> 
And as far as, like, I don't know if they're going to do, like, a rebranding soon, but I thought it was supposed to be U.S. Agent, and I, I don't know if that's just, like, a different alias or whatever, but it seems really, like, it hurt me a little bit to see him in, like, the, the Captain America helmet that is very reminiscent of his, like, earlier ones. Yeah, the His Carl from Up looking ass. <laughs> Just, ah, uh, it's, it, it, yeah, I don't like it, but. It's one of my favorite memes going around, just everyone clowning on this guy, saying he looks like either, like, Carl from Up or, like, YouTuber Danny Gonzalez. Who is You're this? You're talking about Wyatt Russell? Yeah, <laughs> he looks goofy in the I, helmet. His right? ears are, like, People going straight out. People like Carl sure. from Up. Carl from Oh, like young Carl when he's wearing his big aviator helmet. All, all the edits I've seen are just of the regular Carl we know. Just because of his weird. big That's nose. Really weird. That is insanely weird. but And the ears. Yeah, the ears. Yeah, he's probably Mephisto. Yeah, exactly. Funny. It was Agatha um, all along anyway. So, like, what's even the point? I, I'm straight up yeah. expecting, like... I guess maybe this is my own wish list, but I'm expecting, like, a Homelander-type, like, arrogance to this person. Like, yeah, I deserve to be Captain America, and I'm gonna, like, whatever. It's gonna be, like, the absolute most blood-boiling thing to see, like, Captain America's two best friends in the world deal with. Well, I that's what I was gonna say. I don't like that this episode doesn't have them together. I thought that was really weird. Yeah, me too, a little bit. I, As far as I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, boys, like, the last real, like, talking they did together was that funny, like, car seat gag in, I want to say, Civil War. But other than that, it's been just yeah, mostly, like, funny. on your left, there's more aliens. Yeah, like... <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I, I mean, it, it, when Bucky was talking about, it's always just one war after another after another, and there's no break, I was like, that's how I feel about this stupid MCU. Oh my it's god. Like, it's just, there's another show, and then there's another show, and then there's another movie, and then... Oh man, Black Widow will come out someday, guys, we promise. Uh, <laughs> who, yeah, who cares, goddamn. Who said that? Oh man. Yeah, I'm But yeah, um I'm interested to see where this is going. I wish that there had been more in this episode, but I did like that they gave like a genuinely solid foundation to these characters' psyches and not just like what if sitcom. <laughs> well, hopefully in the next couple episodes they actually get the two titular characters on screen. I together. will not tolerate this sitcom <laughs> slander on my timeline. Hey man, I'm here for WandaVision too, don't get me wrong. I, I loved WandaVision and every hokey sitcom moment, but I I'm kind of with Garrett. This feels like a little more meaty in terms of like the the lore of Marvel we're used to getting in a in, in you know any given property that we see. It's usually chock full of like really at least character work that's a little more consistent. I know WandaVision was just all about you know Wanda's grief and stuff, but you know it does take a couple creepy episodes to get into the stride of where it peaks. We'll get yeah, ready I mean, we'll for be... more Torres idiot because he's a character <laughs> a big one too i mean i don't hate torres he's maybe gonna get his ass kicked a couple more times he'll probably get hurt by you know u.s agent or whatever are we not thinking his death by the hands of baron zemo's gonna be what motivates our heroes oh into the, a, well into he's, he's, exciting can't third act. he's gonna be the new <laughs> oh my, you think he's gonna pass his wings on that there's already photos of him with wing well, in the comics he's got a sort of bird suit that'd be really interesting actually because he's talking about how he wants to yeah okay i can a, see that uh, yeah a little like next time baby action where they're just teasing it out a little bit <laughs> uh poor terrence howard. uh terrence howard wasn't that good in the first iron man no no not he it's... thinks about it every day. <laughs> 
really probably I would does. too. You're I mean, really not wrong. Don Cheadle just was in the premiere of a show that got watched by a bajillion people, so I'm sure he feels pretty bad. What what was the literally literally the last thing I remember seeing Terrence Howard is in was Red Tails, <laughs> and that was like. 15 years is ago. there real quick did he not want to come back or did they not want him back i don't know i don't know the whole i don't know the whole lore behind the recast this week's pop culture reference is the terrence howard recast situation uh maybe someday we'll do that honestly armor wars yo they're probably, probably yeah i think this officially means that we are out of things to talk about. oh yeah so let's go ahead and move on to our rec center now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Seamus, what do you got? Uh, inspired by the Snyder Cut, I thought I'd throw out another one of my all-time favorite, like, director's extended cuts. And I just gotta say, it's, it's one of my favorite Tarantino movies out of all of them, but the Hateful Eight extended cut on Netflix really impressive i i think it's a lot more digestible in smaller segments they uh cut it up into a four-part mini series instead of like a three-hour long movie where they just talk in a room for two hours of that three and uh i don't know i think it's genuinely more enjoyable than the theatrical cut um it definitely it reminded me i got reminded of it in the snyder cut by the way they ended it with the chapters and kind of cut it up more and it kind of got me inspired to watch it again, so I might I might hit that up this weekend. Very, very nice. That is not one of my favorite Tarantinos, even though I love my boy Walton Goggins. You know that. Oh, of course. And I, I don't even, I can't even really put my finger on why I hold it to such high regard. Maybe it was because I saw it in the road show at the Music Box when it came out, and that really informed my <sighs> opinion. But even, I'm... That is... Something I really wish oh. I'd gone to. I, wa- I wanted to go so much. I I just gotten my music box membership back then too, Seamus. I like I just got. It's it, so. one of my favorite cinema memories. But even this extended cut sitting on my couch, it, it's really a good way to uh, experience that story. So give it a shot, Ricardo. What do you got? Um, you know what? It's been it's weird because it's been coming up a lot lately. Uh, with the so-called canceling of Pepe Le Pew, the they also they've tried to throw Speedy Gonzalez under that same level, which I always found kind of odd because people have always kind of said, "Oh, Speedy Gonzalez, he's been dubbed like a racist caricature." Uh, Me- Mexicans love Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez; like he's a beloved icon. <laughs> so I don't know what the problem is. So. This comes up because I read an article today kind of covering that same kind of disparity. Something that, you know, for, really for all intents and purposes should be kind of racist because it is Mel Blanc, a white guy trying to do all these accents. And every single character in those shorts is wearing a sombrero at all times. But no, like as a culture, like we kind of just, yeah, he's a he's a hero. He's a Latin icon. He always wins. What part of this is racist? <laughs> and I spent most of today just watching the old cartoons. So I guess that's what I'm rec-centering. Because you can find the whole list on like Wikipedia and stuff. He's the main focus of around 40 of them. And they're also really easy to find. I just put in the name of the short into Google. And you know, they're six minutes. So I, they're very easily digestible. 
And aren't so, a lot of Looney Tunes on HBO, too? See, that's the thing. I looked. I don't think a lot of the Speedy Gonzalez ones are on there. Lame. I don't know if that's due to, like, licensing stuff or because, like I said, a lot of people do deem it racist, even though the people that would be offended adore him. But, you know, they're super easy to find online. Just put them in there. Check out the, you know, the legacy of Speedy Gonzalez. Hell yeah, man. That's that's awesome. I, I will definitely do that. Six minutes. God, those seemed so long when I was a kid for some reason, but... Got, gotta love Speedy Gonzalez. Garrett, to finish us out, what do you got this week? Well, my girlfriend and I have recently started Parks and Recreation, which I have seen several times over, but she has never watched before. And despite being behind that cursed peacock paywall, it sounds like there's a lot of original content coming soon, so I don't feel a, I don't feel a tremendous amount of guilt rec-centering. Parks and Recreation right now, because it is genuinely, I think, one of the best and most consistent series ever on TV, and even though the characters really haven't found their footing, I do think the first season is better than a lot of people give it credit for, and even if you don't like it, it's only six episodes, so you're just able to skate on through. I was going to say, because I'm a big Parks and Rec guy, too, like I've seen this show multiple times. Alright, hypothetical, guy comes up to you, you're talking about Parks and Rec, and then he's like... Oh, yeah, my favorite Parks and Rec character is Mark Brandanowitz. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? What's your you next spin move? spin on your heel and walk the other way because that is not a real human being. That is a, that is a disguised <laughs> being. It's a Terminator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, nobody likes Mark Brandanowitz. God. Yeah, but I mean, I think there's still good stuff in season two, and I think by season two, they figured out that that character wasn't working and kind of made him into an anti-Jim Halpert, where it's kind of like, he's like, what if Jim Halpert were a real guy where he's all smarmy and smug and thinks he's <laughs> the funniest and cleverest guy at the office, but really he's just a jerk? Oh, God, yeah, that's pretty spot on. I like the world that they build with Parks and Rec, because it does feel... Almost like a Springfield where like, there's regular like citizens that pop up at town meetings. There's a bunch of businesses that people know, uh, like the, the Sweetums Company or Joan Calamezzo. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a Parks and Rec episode, I think, probably oh, hell someday. Yeah. Okay, but uh, that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. Next week, we're going to be talking about Kong versus Godzilla, so I'm pretty excited about that. If you want to reach Are the you show, ready to rumble? <laughs> I can't, I can't. It's the fight of the century. <laughs> wait. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at PCR underscore podcast. Uh, find us on Instagram with that same handle. Like us on Facebook and email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Uh, again, really excited for Godzilla versus Kong. Hope it's serviceable <laughs> at the very least. At the at best, I hope it's. I, if it's as good as Kong Skull Island, I will be a happy, happy. Oh hell man. yeah! I think I think our expectations are gonna get met. But then again, I thought that going into Batman v Superman. So <laughs> you're a fool, Seamus. Check out live action remake Diego's podcast. Where I just did a, a crossover with him. They they have an episode just came out. We talk about BVS and your your seething hatred, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the title of that episode. <laughs> I, Amazing. I, I, I haven't listened yet. Yeah, I loved your last one, it. so I, I can't wait to listen to this one. But uh, on our podcast, we will see you 
next week. Adios, amigos. Bye, everybody.